close your eyes for one minute and repeat, let go, take some deep breaths while you say that so that you can open up your eyes then and think about how can you bring your best self to the next activity or the next aspect of your life. Well, hello there. It's Dr. Nicoletta with the Millennial Doc Podcast. I'm a physician, dermatologist, lifestyle entrepreneur, mama in medicine, and confidence success strategist. Each week, I'll bring you inspiring guests, lifestyle, relationship, and business tips to help you consistently take action, act confident, and live an abundant life. Step out with confidence and get ready. Hey, Dr. Jessica Louie. I am so happy to have you on the Millennial Doc Podcast today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Nicoletta. Well, you know what? I'm so excited for my listeners to hear more about you and what you do. And But before we really get dive deep in, I'd love to just start with a quick uh, rapid fire question so my audience really gets to know you. Is that all right with you? Yes, sounds great. Wonderful. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Wisconsin. And where are you currently? I'm in Los Angeles, California. And how long have you been there? I've been here about 14 years. I came out to go to USC for my bachelor degree and stayed on there for my PharmD as well. Awesome. And what is your favorite quote? I mean, I like, I would say that I like mantras a little bit better, like mantras and affirmations. So yeah. I'm going to say that in terms of, you know, be intentional, you know, be confident and bring joy into every day. Awesome. I love mantras and affirmations as well. What is one of your superpowers? I would say decluttering and I love decluttering different aspects of life. <laughs> awesome. What is one of your favorite books, whether it's non-medical or just the last book you read? So many books. I would say the book that I'm really enjoying is Your Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. And then he has a sequel talking about his surrender experiment. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Is that like a dual series? I think they're written pretty far apart, but I've read them back to back recently. So I highly recommend them. Cool. Who is someone that has changed your life? I would say my twin sister. We're very competitive growing up and we definitely pushed each other. She's also in healthcare as an OBGYN and I pursued pharmacy. So it definitely helped having her by my side uh, all these years. That's awesome. I have two sisters as well, but twin sisters special as well. And you have some exciting news coming up, right, too, right? In terms of, so we are, I did get engaged a couple months ago. Uh, so we are life transitions right now. And my fiance is also in medicine and finishing up his fellowship. So yeah, lots of great transitions in life right now. <laughs> That's awesome. What is one of your all-time favorite accomplishments so far? Wow. All-time accomplishments, I would say, you know, I really would say, you know, having the opportunity to share, you know, my opinions and share different perspectives in a larger scale online. You know, I never had the thought of opening up an online business where I share articles and blog posts and podcasts and things. And I think that, you know, just reaching beyond the classroom where I am an associate professor has been really helpful to show that, we live in a society where you can get all these things online and really have reached different people in different communities throughout the world. So it's definitely been a great journey. 
Awesome. You said that you went to school for undergrad and for PharmD at USC? Yes. Awesome. That was my next question, but you already answered it. (laughs) Uh, What is something you do every day to build your confidence? Every day. So every day I do a joy check. I call it my daily joy check and it goes through, you know, my daily mantra, my daily affirmations, daily three goals, and then a few journal prompts where I'll bring in some joy into my day. And I think that builds up confidence because I know that I'm focusing on the most important things in my life right now. I'm not having this really long to-do list uh, to accomplish. And, you know, it really helps me set my day up in just under five minutes very quickly. Yeah, I love that. Have you heard of the five minute? There's like this, it's a five minute challenge or it's just what you can actually accomplish in five minutes. And just, it's, it's really awesome. Like actually getting through your emails in five minutes or just setting a timer and knowing that you got five minutes. Yeah, I think it's definitely helpful. I I tell my clients, you know, set that timer. I'll tell my students when they don't want to finish that assignment, okay, set a a timer and and see how long it takes you to write that paragraph. It really, it takes a lot less time than you actually think then. So it's definitely a great practice to have. Definitely. What do you do for exercise? So my favorite uh, two exercises are Orange Theory Fitness and the Bar Method Online. I actually got into bar method when I was in pharmacy school and now I continue with online classes and definitely there's so many great ones out there that are virtual now during our current situation. That's awesome. I tried one bar class. I haven't really gotten into it, but that's cool that you could do it virtually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and then what are you really grateful for today? Well, I'm really grateful uh, to be on your podcast today, of course, and be able to connect uh, virtually, uh, get to know one another a little bit more. And, you know, I'm really grateful my fiance and I cooked lunch today together. So some quality time together. That's amazing. Okay, cool. So those are the rapid fire questions. And that now I'd really love you to just get started um, and just talk about a little bit about the timeline of how and when you decided to become a pharmacist and... Yes. So your journey a little bit. Yes. So I actually got into the healthcare field uh, back in high school. So I come from an Asian American family. Uh, My dad is Chinese. So it was really important that we start investing career paths early on so that we would pick a career path before we picked a university or college to attend. So my twin sister and I both picked healthcare. I was interested in pharmacy and she was interested in medicine. So I started looking up all the pharmacy schools in the country back in about ninth grade, and there were only about 70 at that time in the country. Now there's about double that many in the country, and we went on college tours after ninth grade, around 10th grade, and I wanted to get out of the Midwest, try something new. A lot of my family was in California, so I definitely was looking for a program where I had a strong reputation and I could potentially apply from high school. And that's actually what I did. I, in 11th and 12th grade, I ended up doing some more shadowing. We had shadowing programs where you could go in as part of like credits for you to shadow some type of career path. So I went into a pharmacy and shadowed. Definitely was great to see what the difference was between a community retail pharmacy versus what they were doing in hospital at that time. I definitely was more interested in pursuing the hospital career path versus community retail. But That's how I kind of got into it in high school. And then I applied to different universities and was accepted into University of Southern California's TAP program, where I was admitted to their pharmacy school from high school. And then 
went there and did my completed my bachelor degree in three years and then stayed on for my doctor of pharmacy degree afterwards. So about seven years to get into uh, pharmacy. That was my awesome. Path. You know, you and I have some similarities because we kind of did this accelerated, like you got into something when you were in high school, ambitious go-getter, um, got into it in high school and it was that kind of accelerated or like quicker path. And you actually moved from the Midwest, similar, I moved to the, from the Midwest to California for school too. So yeah, that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, very similar. And then after I finished my PharmD, I went on to pursue a two-year residency in critical care at University of Utah. So it definitely was great to see how pharmacy was practiced outside of California. University of Utah is an excellent uh, program, very progressive way of how hospital pharmacists practice. That's awesome. So you did two years there in critical care in Utah. And then after that, then you came back to Southern California? Yes. Then I came back to Los Angeles. My fiance had matched into his residency program at USC for radiology. So I came back and took a position to help start up a new school of pharmacy at West Coast University, where we started our PharmD program there. And now it's been five years and I'm an associate professor with the university. That's wonderful. So smart. And, you know, now that you got to that, I'd like to ask you, how did you get into healthcare and small business? When did that start? When did that passion, that spark really start? So I would say that it started when I started experiencing burnout. I actually started uh, experiencing burnout back in 2014, 2015, right at the end of my second year of residency and beginning of my first career in academia. Of course, I didn't know it was called burnout at the time. It you know, wasn't necessarily talked about as much as it is today. And I was just looking for a way to figure out, you know, why was I coping like I was? I was basically coping by shopping a lot for clothing, home decor, things like that. So when I first got into business, it was really to blog and then to write articles on helping women feel more confident in healthcare. And that's kind of how I got into the blogging world. And then that turned into from a you know hobby into a small business. And from there, I basically, you know, went through my whole decluttering process and, and burnout process. And, you know, people started seeing what I was doing. I started helping friends and family with decluttering their lives physically, emotionally, uh, just the same thing I did to reset my burnout. And now it has turned into a business the last few years. So it's definitely been a journey over the five years, I would say, of getting to a place where I helped myself first before I could start helping some others. That's wonderful. You know, and that's how you can make impact. Like if you first help yourself with, you know, I know a lot of those that are listening, you know, you got to put yourself first to be able to make an impact on others, whether it be your clients, your patients, or whoever it is, your family member, your husband, you got to put yourself first so you could be the best version of yourself. And that's what you did, you know, starting from five years ago. So through that five year journey where you, you know, started blogging, started putting out about content and courses for your clients on burnout and stress and being able to speak to that. Can you talk more about the KonMari method? What is that? And when did you do that? And why? And what have what did you learn from that? Mm -hmm. So I attribute a lot of, you know, how I helped my burnout through decluttering. And I was fortunate. I actually ended up finding Marie Kondo. She is basically wrote a few books back uh, 2013, 2014 on the life-changing magic of tidying up. And I came across those in 2015 and read those. Uh, it's a Japanese organizing technique of how you really uh, tidy up 
once and for all in your life. So basically it's a five-step process. You commit beginning to end to it so that you never tidy up again in your life like that. It really changes your habits and your mindset around physical items. And then once you have tidied up your home, which is what we consider closest to us, then you can tidy up you know, your office and work environment. And then I apply the same concepts to decluttering my schedule, my digital clutter, finances, uh, community relationships, things like that. So that's a little bit more about her. If you have seen her Netflix series, it definitely became more popular in 2019. I definitely would recommend that you go back and read some of her books or look at some of the resources I have because it kind of misses a few of the concepts uh, in the method. But that definitely is really helpful because you start with that physical clutter and then you can move on to emotional, mental, and spiritual clutter. That's what I was going to ask you next. Like, what do you think about, can you define like examples of emotional clutter? Does that have to deal with like relationships and boundaries? And how would you describe emotional clutter and how to improve that? Mm -hmm. So I definitely think it's, you know, your ability to process and express feelings. So if you're not able to express your feelings, a lot of us, you know, kind of hold things in and we don't let it go. So if we're not used to journaling out different feelings, we may not really know what's going on. We keep it all in our head. Practicing gratitude is another way to help, you know, reduce that emotional clutter practicing forgiveness and that letting go process of not just letting go of physical item, but letting go of that anger, letting go of that fear of making a mistake and things like that. Perfectionism um, <laughs> and all that procrastination. I've even heard that writing something down and then even taking a piece of paper, putting it in fire. There's certain <laughs> ways that you could really get rid of something if you need to, you know, to help yes. you heal or... So that's awesome. So you're known as the burnout doctor. And I know we, we were talking already a bit about, you know, the decluttering and everything, but go into what is, what is burnout and is it the same thing as being stressed out and, or are they different? So basically how I think about burnout, you know, the classes syndrome has three components where you're exhausted, you have some cynicism or negative viewpoint, and then you have some decreased self-efficacy or a low sense of accomplishment. So a lot of times when we're thinking about that, we first think about physical exhaustion before we think about like emotional, mental exhaustion, where maybe we're bringing work home for with us or staying many hours at work. That's definitely what I was doing. I was bringing work home with me for cynicism, that negative viewpoints that could be towards your organization, towards your career path. I know that I had that when I came back from a very progressive type of pharmacy environment in Utah and came back to Los Angeles. I had this negative viewpoint about, you know, why weren't we practicing at the top of our license in Los Angeles in these hospitals and wanting to change that. So I had that negative viewpoint where I wanted to go, but I wasn't seeing it around me at that time. And then decreased self-efficacy, just having that low sense of accomplishment that are you really making a difference? And for many of us, you know, you included, you did a lot of research um, over the years, you know, putting all that time and effort into research studies, and then you don't see them published, or you don't see all that research get out into the public realm uh, can definitely be very detrimental. And you just don't uh, see that all the hours you put into it had some type of accomplishment at the end. So that's some of the, you know, the burnout I have experienced. In terms of stress, so I would say that burnout is a result of prolonged chronic stress. So they're not exactly the same. You won't interchange the words necessarily, but usually that you are stressed 
for a period of time. And, you know, there's predictable, you know, biochemical, physiological type of changes that happen. And then that prolonged exposure to stress turns into burnout. So you can be, you know, in hyperdrive during stressful situations, and then it kind of turns off um, and you have different emotions during burnout. And I think that it's important we recognize that because we can definitely start to address those stressful situations before we get into this prolonged type of burnout situation. Awesome. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's, you want to try to try to decrease and we all have stress, right? But I mean, find ways to be able to manage it so you don't lead to those three items. And I think that I love the way that, you know, you classified those three ways of burnout because sometimes you might you not realize that you actually are or have one of those features until someone else points it out, which is why you need a coach and why you need someone to really coach you through and help you. So I'd love to kind of talk about, I know you already talked about kind of clutter. Is there anything else you want to mention with how clutter relates to burnout? So I think that it's just important to recognize that, you know, our burnout comes from can come from within, you know, lazy people don't burn out, right? Like, you know, the high performers who put a lot of stress and a lot of ambition into themselves are the ones that end up burning out and clutter can play a role where either you're surrounded by clutter physically. So you're sitting at your desk and there's all these papers or all these books all over the place. And that just take away from our productivity. It can take away from our mental energy, basically. So I think that it's important to realize, you know, there's different studies out there from UCLA and from Harvard of, you know, just clutter in general that they followed women throughout their lives and how it affected them. And it usually does affect women more than men in general, but just realizing that maybe that is playing a role in your stress levels or your burnout levels. And if you can take action on that, I highly recommend doing that because I'm a big advocate for what can you change in your life? You know, not waiting for an organization or a company to change of how, you know, they treat employee burnout, but your life. So the physical clutter, of course, is a great way to start in my opinion, uh, because you see the tangible benefits right away. And then mental clutter for a lot of us, it's our ability to process information. And mental clutter now includes a lot of our digital clutter in our lives from our phone to our emails, all that can get cluttered to our schedules. So just taking a step back of if you are having all this clutter and decision fatigue, is it from too many emails? Is it from too much social media and getting a hold of that and acknowledging that so that you can set boundaries and you can set different things that work best for your life? We talked about emotional clutter already. And then finally, spiritual clutter is really about our energy levels being present. So I think of that, you know, as the mindfulness, because a lot of times we're not actually present when we're sitting here, if we have our phone out or something else is going on. So just refocusing that energy on being present and being mindful of that current situation. I love that. Um, I totally just agree with all of that. And I'm so happy that you're sharing that with my audience because it's just so important to know that there's actually clutter in all those different aspects of your life. Which one though, is there one that's the most important out of all those you talked about? Is it physical? Like, is it how, how your home is or is there one that is most important? I would say that a lot of people will start with the physical clutter because it's very tangible and you know visually able to see. And, and I do recommend starting with your home first before you apply that into your office setting or like your car and things. And then I think the second one is really the mental clutter because if we don't get that mental clutter down, 
and we start having these decision fatigues, it starts affecting every aspect of our life. I used to have that where my spouse and I are both in medicine and no one knows how to choose like a restaurant or take out food when we get home because we have so <laughs> much mental so clutter true. from our work days, right? So it just starts bleeding in from your work life to your personal life and you got to get a hold of that in terms of, you know, I'm an ICU pharmacist, but I don't open emails outside of work. If someone needs to get a hold of me, they would, you know, be, we'd be personal enough that they could call me. So setting up boundaries, even in healthcare, I think are really important to reduce a lot of that mental clutter of how you are reachable uh, throughout the day. I totally agree. And you know, I, I want to share a quick story on the boundaries. You know, even for me, I had a baby in August of this past year in uh, 2019. And I had only six weeks. Actually, I went back to work in five weeks because I had a very short maternity leave. But I made sure that I had boundaries that I, I didn't open any work emails, look at any patient tasks or do that during because that's my maternity leave. And the thing is, the personal growth and development that I had before that to, to really learn about my boundaries and to know how to, you know, not allow that energy into my life when that's a time that's sacred and time that, so just like you said, that you have certain time periods that you're focusing on that task, whether that be your small business that you're working on, or okay, this is, I'm handling my work emails or, you know, this is my family time and then that's it. So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So I also would love to ask you, what are some, with your clients and just what are some coping mechanisms that you've noticed with people in general that are not really healthy for them? So I think that, you know, when we do have these high levels of stress or burnout, we tend to cope in different ways. Uh, for me personally, that was shopping uh, for a lot of clothing and different types of things. For my clients, a lot of times it is type some type of addictive behavior, whether that be shopping uh, to get that quick win, whether that be binge eating, or whether that be something that, you know, has some type of dopamine release uh, quickly, and then they kind of either regret or feel guilty afterwards. And then I also see a lot of people where, you know, they tell me, well, it's really not the right time to make a change in my life, or I'll find time later. And I find that that's, you know, obviously not very helpful, because when we put something off, and we say, we'll do it later, or there's a different time in our life where we'll focus on that, it usually never happens, right? If we don't make it a priority, it never will be one, or if we never put in our calendars, it's never going to happen. So shifting into, you know, making time instead of finding time and taking some time ownership is something that I find a lot of my clients love, you know, people in my community, you know, need to take that first baby step so that they can get over what they're struggling with right now. That's awesome advice. Totally agree. And one of the ways that helps me actually do the different categories is I, in my planner, I have different highlighters for different sections of my life. So like families, one color, anything that's income producing business would be another color, dermatology, studying, another color, appointments, and more kind of fun self-care gym is another. So those are all the things that, you know, allow you, then if you see your planner that's full of those different colors, and it's balanced, and you know your life is balanced, versus if you just saw work and no family time, husband time, then you know, okay, you're not. And so that's, I love, I love visually seeing things. And so I, I have the passion planner, just that's what I use, but that's how I'm able to kind of see it. But I love that advice you share. And then it's so important to know like what coping mechanisms are healthy and, and which ones may not be. So thank you. So I'd love to ask you, what are your top, say, two tips outside of the declutter and burnout that you talk about? What are, say, two other ways that you can really show up for life outside of being 
outside of the hospital, outside of healthcare professional? So one of the tips that I usually recommend is I call it the two minute rule and closing the, well, basically it's closing the files rule. So when we have this, these full lives in healthcare, we need to close the files in our brains and in our lives. So if something takes two minutes or less, I recommend doing it right away. So if that means if you get up in the morning and you don't, you're not used to making your bed, time yourself, I bet it will take less than a minute. So it'll definitely take less than two minutes to accomplish that and, and see how it makes you feel after you do that for a week. Same with the dishes. Before you go to bed, making that a two-minute thing to clean up the sink and put the dishes away, I think can be really helpful. And then the other thing would be to use a breathing exercise to just really let go. And I think that a lot of times we take these different energies from work or from different meetings with us throughout the day instead of letting them go right away. So when you transition from different activities or different areas of your life throughout the day, master that transition where you just close your eyes for one minute and repeat, let go, take some deep breaths while you say that so that you can open up your eyes then and think about how can you bring your best self to the next activity or the next aspect of your life like when you come out come home and getting out of the car and, and seeing your family. So a couple different ways that I use in my day-to-day life that I highly recommend. Thank you so much for sharing that. Absolutely amazing tips for my listeners. And I'm so glad that you guys are able to hear her out today. I want to ask you, where can people connect with you? So the best place to connect is the Burnout Doctor podcast, uh, where I host that weekly on Thursdays, and then getting involved in our Spark Joy in Healthcare community. We're really you know, bringing joy back into healthcare and into pharmacy. So checking that out, those are on my websites, of course, as well of sparkjoyinhealthcare.com. I love hanging out on Instagram and LinkedIn. So definitely connect on either of those. Yay. I love that. And guys, I'm going to make sure that I share all that in the show notes. So be sure to check her out. And you know, I'd like love to ask you if there's anything else you want to leave my millennial doc listeners with just one last tip. So remember to bring joy into each day and in any way possible, that's something small. And remember to, you know, write out a note of gratitude for a team member or a friend today. I love that. Hey guys, so thank you so much for tuning in today. I want to know what you guys loved. Let us know what you love by tagging at Dr. Jessica Liu and at Dr. Nicoletta and share it and we will be sure to share you. We'd love to know what you learned today and thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Millennial Doc Podcast. I am so thankful for your support and hope you receive inspiration today to discover a better you, better health, and your best life. It would mean the world to me if you can take a second to share this episode with someone you think would love it. For free resources and inspiration, head over to drnicoletta.com and make sure to follow Millennial Doc Podcast on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes. And it would mean so much to me if you left a five-star review of the show. As always, step out with confidence and rock your life.